for the underground to rise. If y'all are feeling me, throw your fist up, let me hear you say what? Come on! Yo, what's good, everybody? We are back with Solidarity Radio, episode number three. Hey, now. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, my. So this is your boy, Ted James, here with your... Uh, co-host, es- Jason Michael. <laughs> the esteemed co-host, Jason Michael. Not George Michael. Also known as... We don't have a million listeners. We would if I was. Jay Dow. Also known as Jay Dow. According to you and no one else. We're going to freestyle this episode. Like, just a little backstory. We're on episode number three, and we've, three. Been, we've been doing this podcast for over a year now. Yes. First episode one was, like, early June of 2017. And just we, an idea at the time. Yeah. Now it's well-established, <laughs> yeah, professionally produced. Oh, man. This, yeah. The, we can crank these out once a week if we wanted to. These... This podcast is blowing up on these streets right now. It is. Yeah, people are listening. People are listening out there. I feel it. It's big. SoundCloud. Still, we're on episode three. I still haven't put us up on iTunes, Google Play Store. None of that yet. We're we're exclusively on SoundCloud. (laughs) Proud sponsors. Right. For the moment. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, uh, Mr. James. What's up? What's up, Mr. Michael? If that, agenda, that sounds so weird. That, <laughs> What's up, Mr. Michael? Oh, uh, by the way, we got a new sponsor this week. Elysian. Uh, Elysian Space Dust IPA. It's a good IPA. Elysian. Get dusted. <laughs> you know, here we are on... Uh, oh, we didn't say. We're recording from Denver, Colorado. It's uh, Wednesday early evening, 5 p.m., Whiskey Wednesdays. Whiskey Wednesday. Yeah. Or IPA or Wednesdays. IPA Wednesday, yeah. So, should we get started? Let's do it. All right. How about we talk about State of the Unions? All right. How are labor unions doing today? Um, maybe can we get some perspective on um, unions from the public sector, unions from the private sector? You know, where's everybody at? Yeah. Um, well, so... You know, we know right now that, and we've probably talked about this somewhat in our first couple episodes, that the labor movement is under assault um, from right-wing politicians who have appointed, and also from a Supreme Court that is tilted towards right-wing appointments at the moment. And uh, also, you know, these folks are funded by, um, you know, special interests representing the the cream of the crop when it comes to being wealthy, right? Uh, we got the Koch brothers. Um, we've got other, like, uh, anti-worker billionaires that are funding this effort to destroy unions. So and we're going to get into the Janus case later. Um, that's, that's about to change the game, essentially, um, probably this week, maybe next week. Uh, we'll, we'll table that for now, no. The, uh, we'll table that for now, though, um, but the big headline, um, you know, that my big takeaway is that working people are, are organizing and fighting back. The uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics for 2017 um, suggested that we had an uptick in union membership in the United States 
um, which is a great, uh, great, great sign. Um, you know, for the most part, every year over year, um, the, the labor movement has declined in membership um, for the last 30, 40 years. Uh, but we're up to, uh, for 2017, 262,000 new um, people joined the labor movement um, as far as growth, not as far as signups. Like the the American labor movement grew by 262,000 members in 2017. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. Uh, uh, I was taught when I was going through training for one of the roles in, um, in uh, the union's business that at our peak organized labor, uh, we were at one out of every three American workers in the mid-1950s during um, the uh, Eisenhower era. Right. Yeah. When when Republicans were conservative, but not crazy, uh, a lot of crazy in the Republican Party these days. Um, sorry for my uh, mainstream conservative Republicans. You know, they're uh, good friends and family who are being impacted by others within their camp. And I'm not a Democrat, so I could say that the same about Democrats too. There's crazy everywhere right now. Um, we were at our peak in the mid '50s during the Eisenhower era. Uh, Thirty. 5% or so, one out of every three American workers, and the middle class was never stronger than that period of time, right? right. Uh, income uh, relative to production, and uh, up until the 80s, it, it used to keep scale with that. And um, now we're at what? Like 6.7% of the private sector is unionized, and 33% of the public sector is unionized, but... Together, that's only like 10% of the American workers. Yeah, actually, on the, I'm looking at the uh, 2017 statistics, and we're at 34.4% public sector and 6.5% uh, private sector. So I think it's been the case over the last few years that public sector unions have been keeping it together for labor in general more so because one out of every three of them still are. Right. Uh, and, organized. And um, when we get into our Janus discussion, um, uh, you can be able to connect some dots on um, why this decision, uh, not ironically, is um, going to affect public sector workers. So uh, we'll definitely get into that. I, I think that's why the Janus decision is so important, isn't it? Right. Well, not to um, bury the lead, but... Uh, uh, or put the cart before the horse. Or jump the shark. Jump the shark. Not to jump the shark, um, but yeah, I mean, the, um, the fact that public sector workers are still at 34.4% density is um, why they are have been over the last five years, starting with Wisconsin, they have been the target of the anti-worker agenda in this country and the, the billionaires that they represent, so... So sorry to have jumped the shark or buried the lead. <laughs> well, is that a good segue right now then into just the Janus case and, and doing a little bit of an overview of it? And for anyone who ever listens that didn't already know about it so much, then it provides a little bit of the 101 and then yeah. dive into like, you know, what needs to happen or what's going to happen if. Yeah, well, that, that sounds great to me. So, um, and again, I, I know little compared to like you, you know everybody who works in it every day, right? Um, but I, I try to follow a little as well, and I'll you know ask a, a question or two or like share something that I might have seen or heard, sure. and you know I don't know if it's legit or not. You can verify for me. Yep. So um, I figure uh, it makes sense 
to start this story at the very beginning. Uh-oh. How so, much time do we have? Storytelling. Well, not the, the beginning of the current chapter, let's say. So um, <laughs> this is Storytelling Hour with Jason Michael and Ted James. Jason Michael. That's what I said. Jason Michael. <laughs> Dow. Jason. J-M-D. Jason Michael Dow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start this chapter um, at the beginning. Um, in 2016, the Supreme Court had um, uh, already heard oral arguments and were about to rule on a case um, called Friedrichs. Um, the actual full name of the case is escaping me. I'll look it up right now as I'm talking. Uh, but that decision is basically the same case that we're facing now in the um, Janus case. Exact same case. Um, it was called Friedrichs, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association. It basically, the crux of the, um, the case was that uh, an employee, I'm assuming that was a union member for the California Teachers Association, was trying to argue that um, fair share uh, membership fees paid to his union violated his free speech rights. And what a fair share fee is is um, there's a lot of misinformation around this, but uh, fair share fees are not union membership. Um, nobody is uh, required to um, belong to a union, a labor union in the United States. Nobody is forced to do that. What a fair share fee is, however, is a fair share fee is uh, basically you paying your fair share of uh, servicing the union contract meaning that because you work under a union contract, your wages, your benefits have been bargained for by professional um, bargaining agents. Those professional bargaining agents, um, you know, have salaries, have, uh, you know, have, uh, um, you know, costs associated with providing that type of representation. Well, it's a job and they have to feed their families too, right? So Absolutely. it's workers supporting workers, right. isn't it? And then um, your union contract also, you know, is uh, you have uh, union stewards and representatives, some of them staff representatives that work full time for the union that um, provide you with representation for grievance matters, um, um, other type of disciplinary meetings. Um, yeah, a lot of benefits, even if you're only paying fair share dues. Right. So, um, so a lot of states require people to like pay their fair share of servicing the union contract it's it does not mean that you're a union member it does not mean that um you um agree with the union's political stances all it means is that in order to work in this job where you're getting increased pay and benefits um because you're working under a union contract and you have increased rights of uh on the, for on-the-job justice, for representation, um, you're not an at-will employee, um, you know, you pay your fair share of, of getting all of those benefits because you are, whether you are anti-union, pro-union, ambivalent, uh, uninformed, um, you know, apathetic, doesn't matter what your stance is in the union, you're, um, you're benefiting from the fact that you're working under a union contract. So, um, so whoever it was, Friedrichs, I'm assuming, was part of the California Teachers Association and said, me having to pay my fair share violates my free speech rights. 
and um, took that case all the way to the Supreme Court. I think you nailed it just now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, um, you know, so going back to what uh, the opposite or the other employee condition that um, people can work under in a union contract is, uh, this is called fair share. The other one is right to work. In the labor movement, we call it right to work for less. So we call it right to work for less. Um, These right-wing anti-worker groups just call it right to work to make it sound like a positive thing. Um, But essentially what it's saying is that um, if you're right to work, you can benefit from all these things you get under your union contract, but you're under no obligation to pay your fair share of, of servicing that contract. You can be a freeloader. Let me repeat that for anybody listening that has the opposite you point the of back. view on this. <laughs> anybody, yeah, you in the back. Anybody that's listening, hate listening to this podcast from the right-wing perspective is you are advocating freeloadership. The, 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 the party of personal responsibility, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the party of, like, do, your, uh, do what you're supposed to do. Well, uh, yeah. let me tell you something. This is where I think I've seen at least the beginning of a schism, Mm -hmm. actually on both sides of the spectrum, but on the right side of the spectrum from an observation, you know, kind of standpoint, um, it's, it's too narrow to divide us into two categories. There's not just liberals and conservatives and there's not just Democrats and Republicans, right? Right. But even within each side of the spectrum, there's a whole rainbow of different levels and different ideologies and things, right? And um, I think we're left heavy at the top of organized labor currently, but at our foundation among the membership, we're about 50-50, right? Right. We have half of our membership is conservative, uh, Republican registered. Uh, I won't go into names, but even folks who are taking leadership roles that we know are... Uh, uh, themselves Republican, right? Right. Um, they're a different kind of Republican. You know, they're one that supports workers. So I'm inspired and encouraged that every time I see a conservative individual stand up or speak out in support of labor or organized labor or just workers' rights or human rights or any of the stuff that you expect to see from the left currently, right? when you get it from the right from someone because they're a more moderate right and I'm just I'm saying that now because I'm hoping that like you know more people will listen and actually do that. Yep. And more more that's compassionate a, conservatives like GW like wanted to be you know in, in his yeah, you yeah. know in his ambition. It's a really good point, Jason Michael, because <laughs> um, and uh, we can get into this as well. Like you're right. Like being a pro worker, anti worker is not really. A Democrat versus Republican issue anymore. It's not a progressive versus conservative issue. Um, we're, we should definitely talk about this later. There's a current um, battle right now here in Colorado where Planned Parenthood, a progressive organization, Ooh. is trying to bust their uh, workers' union. Um, so we'll talk about that later. I, I put it down on the agenda. And I kind of took, yes, thank you. And I, I kind of took your point as being there are uh, people that identify as Republican or conservative that would think the idea of uh, not paying your fair share dues is is uh, absolutely wrong, is freeloading, like yeah, we were talking about. To me, yeah. among those folks I know or have talked to, they know 
that personal responsibility means something different to them than other conservatives who don't speak for them. Right. And personal responsibility to them means I'm not going to apply for this job if I know it's a union job and I'm not going to want to join the union if I get the job. Mm-hmm. People like Fredericks, they are different in that not only will they apply for the job knowing that it's a union job, knowing they don't want to join the union, but then they'll also, from a, a, a place of, I don't know what it is, like entitlement or, or perceived knowledge or whatever, that it should be the other way around. And yeah. it isn't fair and just and right that he should even have to pay fair share dues for the benefits he gets whether he's a member or not. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in fairness, people like Friedrichs and Janice, they're pawns in this game, right? Um, right. They're, they're actually being brainwashed by misinformation. Like, because I think one of their big arguments is that I don't support the, the union, the union's politics, so I should not be forced to, to put my money towards that. Yeah. But in fact, it's against the law for unions to use um, anything they collect as a as fair share fees um, to go towards uh, political campaigns. In fact, uh, most unions um, are very draw very clear lines um, between collecting dues and spending money on politics. Um, most unions have only voluntary collection of uh, political action funds, which is completely separate from your union dues. Um, so if you want to support the union's political agenda, you pay an extra amount voluntarily um, separate from your union dues membership. Uh, and so, um, so like people like Friedrichs and Mark Janis, they're, they're, um, they're convinced through misinformation to believe that um, these fees that they're required to pay help support in theory, democratic politicians that they disagree with, but that's that's completely been um, uh, it's misinformation being spun by uh, very powerful special interests that represent billionaires yeah. um, to make you their pawn in getting what they need, which is uh, no resistance from working people of wealth being um, being uh, shot straight to the top in this country, which is currently what happens is happening and will continue happening, and they want to make it happen at a faster rate by busting unions. I, uh, I appreciate what you said right there for a couple of different reasons, because first, uh, to clarify that folks like Friedrichs and Janice are not bad people themselves, right. but that they're influenced by bad information. Right. Um, gosh, that really hit a... Uh, 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 that really hit home for me just when you said that because lately I've been feeling like uh, you're supposed to believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who said it. I tried to look it up. I think it said Edgar Allan Poe. I think that's wrong, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, we'll give him credit anyway. It's no less true. New, right? s- new sponsor for the podcast, Edgar Allan Poe. Dope uh, poetry. Hark the Raven. There you go. Um believe half of what you see and none of what you hear, right? So folks like Friedrichs and Janice, who, to your point, uh, may have not initiated anything themselves. They may have been approached 
Uh, anything is possible. Um, perhaps there's details on that already when you dive really deep, you know, into the case. Um, I don't read transcripts and things. I have ADHD, and within five minutes, I get cross-eyed. But I really appreciate you saying that, that folks like Friedrichs and Janice, they're not bad people. They're just bad. They're misinformed, you yep. know, at best. Um, All right. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the storytelling hour with Jason Michael and Ted James, shall we? All right, so this case, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association, um, is in the Supreme Court. Oral arguments have been made. Um, so the, the uh, case is in the process of um, going to a decision, um, and um, that would mean that uh, you know the Supreme Court would decide to rule either with um, Friedrichs to say that Paying, uh, and by the way, this case was um, just specifically about public workers. Um, it didn't have anything to do with the NLRB system or um, private employment in the United States. They were trying to consider if paying fair share um, uh, union fees violates your First Amendment rights as a public employee. Um, and so uh, come uh, January 2016, I believe, because I remember the day it happened, um, I was, uh, I think I was doing some organizing in Colorado Springs that morning, drove back to Denver for Bernie Sanders rally in here in Denver at the Civic Center. Bernie. And yeah, Bernie. Feel the burn. Feel that burn. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we were in line. Uh, we were in line waiting to get in, you know, through security to the rally when news broke that Justice Scalia had passed away in Texas. Yeah. Ironically, shout out, uh, I used to live in San Antonio. Uh, it's one of my favorite places in the world. What a burger. <laughs> what a burger. Taco Cabana. This episode now sponsored by what a burger. And Taco Cabana. <laughs> anyway, um, San Antonio Express News, uh, I was really proud of this. My uh, hometown paper there. Um, they got the first scoop on the um, passing of Justice Scalia because he was out somewhere near San Antonio, I believe, um, on a hunting trip. Um, so anyway, uh, since January 2016, uh, I'm at a Bernie Sanders rally when I hear the news. Justice Scalia passed away, uh, meaning that um, the 5-4 conservative majority uh, on the Supreme Court uh, no longer uh, existed. So... Um, so essentially, um, without going into too much detail, when that case finally got its ruling in the Supreme Court, um, it was a it was expected it was going to be a five four decision in favor of Friedrichs um, before uh, Justice Scalia passed away. Um, but after his death, then um, as predicted, the um, the um, the decision was four four. And in a in the event of a tie in the Supreme Court, the um, the the uh, lower court's uh, ruling is affirmed, and in the um, Court of Appeals, I believe um, they had ruled in favor of California Teachers Association. Friedrichs had appealed to the Supreme Court, um, so the four four decision meant that um, public employees in the United States or public employee unions in the United States were still allowed to collect fair share fees in states where um, state law allowed it. A lot of states have right to work laws for public employees, but um, 
there were still many states that were collecting fair share fees um, for public employees. So Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. If you choose to work somewhere that you know is a union shop and that it's collective bargaining for wages and working conditions and representation during the contract, if you know all of that going in, which... You've got to know that going in. It's a, I think it's a disclosure when you apply for union jobs. It was disclosed to me when I applied for a union job. Um, then you should be, your expectations should already be set that the least you should do is make sure that you're paying your fair share to cover the cost of the things that are done for us to make our lives better, whether you're a member or not. So... Sorry about that. Go on. Oh, yeah. Back to um, storytelling hour with Jason Michael and Ted James. Bow, 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 bow. Hey, now. Um, so, um, so essentially, uh, the result of the Friedrichs case was nothing changed. Um, lower court's um, decision was affirmed. Um, and, um, and so the states... Yay, unions. Yay, unions. States with public sector unions that um, allow fair share... Um, fee collection were allowed to continue collecting the fees that um, those folks benefit from. You know who's happy to hear that? Who? Millennials. Millennials. Wasn't there a survey not long ago? I can't cite the source anymore. But essentially, the current state of unions is that um, organized labor is popular among younger workers. Yeah. Like 70% of young workers support organized labor, labor unions. They get that they're not all union jobs, so you just join the one you want. If you want a union, you get a union job. If you yeah. don't, you don't. But I, they all support it. I'm pretty sure Edgar Allan Poe is quoted as saying, 112% of millennials support unions. Bitch, police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, you're right, though. I don't know if the 70% is the real number, but um, but yeah, the, um, the trend is that millennials are the way trend, more... Yeah are trending way more pro-union than past generations, which is also a great sign for the labor movement. I know. I think unions, the future of unions, is that they're going to remain, even though currently they are a shadow of their former selves. Back in the 50s when it was one out of every three workers, now it's one out of every ten. There's constant pressure from the cases we're talking about, and we'll get back to in a second here. But the future of unions is strong, right? Like, unions will exist as long as there's... Labor for money. Yeah. <laughs> because as long as there's labor for money, there'll be corruption and capitalism. Yeah. And as long as there's corruption and capitalism, there'll be a check and balance when people organize and then they figure out, this is bullshit. We have to figure this out better ourselves than the people who are trying to tell us they got it figured out. Yep. Organized labor, you know, has a future. I Abs- think it's got a bright future. Absolutely. Actually. We're only in a position right now where it gets better from Trending here. Trending up, yep. This yeah. is what I call the labor resurgence. We're yeah, gonna, where we're, people make podcasts about labor. Right. We're gonna we're gonna talk. We're, we'll talk more about that uh, uh, when we do our big reveal later. The but, big reveal. But I did get an advanced copy of the State of the Union speech that Edgar Allan Poe is going to deliver next week. And yeah. And um, the first line of the speech is that the State of the Unions is strong. The state of the unions is strong. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. So back to storytelling hour with Jason Michael and Ted James. How does this end? <laughs> All right. So now we've got Friedrichs is done. Nothing's changed, right? And we've got this massive fight um, because President Obama has a whole year left in office to appoint a Supreme Court justice. Um, so essentially, he is given uh, the opportunity to shift the balance of the, the political balance on the court. 
This is a massive, massive, massive big deal. Um, and so almost immediately, as soon as um, everybody comes to terms with uh, Justice Scalia's passing and realizes that um, President Obama has a year to um, shift the balance of the court, almost immediately people like uh, um, Mitch McConnell, um, Paul Ryan, start coming up with this asinine new idea that um, that presidents should not be allowed to appoint a Supreme Supreme Court justice in the last year in office when they're a lame duck. That we should let the American people decide at the ballot box who should be uh, the next Supreme Court justice by allowing the next president to um, to appoint. So we uh, we do have sources that were close to um, Senator Mitch McConnell and Speaker Paul Ryan at the time, and we can confirm that they pulled this new idea directly out of their asses. There was no such precedent in American history of, of a United States president not being able to exercise their right to select and appoint a Supreme Court justice and for Congress to give that um, appointment a fair hearing for confirmation. Uh, McConnell and Ryan and um, the right essentially just pulled that out of their ass and decided we're going to wait until the next election and let the next president decide. And if I could just add an asterisk to that, I'm neither liberal nor conservative. I try to love everybody is my only thing. And I felt like at the time, Merrick should have gotten at least a hearing. Absolutely. So um, President Obama um, nominates Merrick Garland, very moderate um, judge, um, somebody who, in theory, people on the right and people on the left could both be okay with uh, because he seemingly was very uh, moderate about um, about his um, interpretation of the Constitution. So Obama um, essentially is, um, in some ways here, trying to call the right wing uh, pushbacks bluff on this. Um, he didn't appoint a so-called liberal activist judge or nominate a so-called liberal activist judge. He tried to nominate somebody that we could, that there could be consensus built around, somebody that Republicans and Democrats could support. Um, but, of course, as we know how these things play out when you've got people like McConnell and Paul Ryan in power, they stonewalled it. They essentially um, stonewalled Obama's nomination, would not bring it up in Congress um, for a hearing process. Um, so, of course, uh, we all know the rest of the story. The clock runs out on uh, Merrick Garland and uh, Donald J. Trump is elected president of the United States. Now, I'm going to vent for a second um, before we move on to the next chapter of the story. Um I'm angry at the right for stonewalling President Obama and not allowing him to do what every other president in history has been allowed to do, which is nominate Supreme Court justices that get a hearing in Congress. I'm really mad at the right for that, but um, to be honest, I am way more mad at the left for laying down on this one. There is absolutely, it's absolutely inexcusable that we didn't make this our hill to die for as a progressive movement and call their shit and, um, and, and fight to get Merrick Garland um, a nomination process. I, again, you know, I, I really appreciate uh, so much of what you say, and that's why I like hanging out with you. 
Um, <laughs> when you when you when you feel an equal amount of disappointment and anger and things in not just one side of this conversation, you know, but in both sides, and accept personal responsibility on each side and and tell the other side, you know, that uh, you know what it is that's got you so frustrated and maybe there's a middle ground where you can win-win. Who knows, right? Um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, again, you know, because what I've been trying to do to be more um, cohesive with people on the right, because I probably lean left and just remain unaffiliated, right? Uh, I try to figure out any conservative stuff that I can. Mm -hmm. And Dwight D. Eisenhower was probably the most moderate conservative Republican and said... The middle of the road is where all the useful spaces, right? Too far to the left or the right, and you're in the gutters. So even though he was a conservative Republican himself, he was moderate, he was middle, you know? And that's where we figure out where to reach across the aisle and resolve the things that are currently problems because there's so much divisiveness and, and vitriol, you know, between the two sides and not enough, you know, straddling the aisle. And um, when they pull punches, like holding up a nomination that had no reason to be held up, it really, you know, just because it was the last year of the presidency and stuff is what they were claiming or whatever it was. Uh, that was because of seven years prior of resistance right. from the other side. Right. We're resisting currently from the left. But resistance yeah. is constant in this current uh, uh, climate, political climate and in society today. Right. And gosh, I hope for someone to find a way to flip that switch and be a great uniter again. Um, but I, I, when you started to say, I'm, I'm pissed at the right, but I'm also pissed at the left too. Yeah. I like that. That's To, to me, that's fair and balanced when you can criticize your own just as much right. as you can criticize another. Well, I mean, it, because like this, this is how this, this is supposed to work. The conservatives aren't supposed to eternally have a 5-4 advantage on the court. I mean, it's kind of a luck-based thing, but when a Supreme Court justice passes away, the current president selects a nomination, and we have a and we have a hearing, right? And like going back to the left, I mean, like my theory and my suspicion is that we didn't push this um, and fight it all the way down to the street level brawl that it needed to be because of overconfidence. I really think the Democratic establishment. Um, was overconfident that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States and just assumed that she would be making the next Supreme Court. And aren't we touching on another schism there, but instead of on the right, a little bit on the left, right? We had a candidate in Bernie Sanders who wasn't established with Democrat all along. He was an I in Senate uh, for the great state of Vermont, but uh, uh, switched to D, perhaps a... Small D and not a capital D, <laughs> <laughs> but a D nonetheless. A small when D and not a big D. decided to run at the White House level, right? Mm-hmm. And establishment Democrats versus uh, progressive Democrats, we'll say. Um, yeah, that's not a perfect description, but anyway. Uh, the establishment Democrats won in getting Hillary on the ballot rather than Bernie. Where Bernie, I believe, if I'm not mistaken was better at fundraising. Hillary yeah. just had a lot of money to contribute already. Uh, but Bernie was excellent at fundraising, and he had a message 
that resonated louder and further. And he would he was the one getting the crowds that you know forty five oh, yeah. claims to have, right? Yeah. Bernie was getting the crowds and he got the little bird to chirp on his podium, however <laughs> magic he sprinkled fairy dust that day. Uh, but no, Bernie, you know, so that's a schism on the right. left, right? And right. then so some of that needs to be resolved probably as well. If you want a unified left and a unified right, your strongest, you know, party possible, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of why I just don't identify with any party currently. Yeah. You know, I want to love them all, well, I but mean, right now you can't be one if you don't hate the other in some times. Right. Well, right? I, I mean, to me, I feel, and we'll probably touch on this again when we get into Planned Parenthood, but I, I don't feel like there's really two parties anymore. I feel like there's at least four, mm-hmm. four groups, and two of us are supposed to be on the same team, but we're really not. I yeah. Mean, well, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but I would say <laughs> that there is a there's um, there's like working class progressivism, there's democratic establishment people, there's Trumpians, and there's um, traditional Republicans. Republican establishment people, yeah. And, and uh, Robert Reich had a video. I don't watch all of his stuff, but I caught this one where there were uh, in his mind. Uh, and he illustrated six different mm-hmm. parties, you know, quote unquote, right? Okay. And it was three on the left, three on the right, so to speak. Right. Uh, and I, uh, uh, the Trumpian uh, Republicans, the uh, establishment Republicans, and then maybe like the evangelical Republicans, mm-hmm. I think he referred to as like the religious right. Not to get sidetracked even more, <laughs> but I feel like there isn't the religious right not a part of the Trumpian... Like they've been, oh, maybe, yeah. They have yeah. sold their souls to the Trumpian movement. Yeah, you well, heard. that's the thing is, like, for every scandal Trump has ever been uh, accused of and enough evidence without a trial to know he did the thing, mm-hmm. uh, there's an excuse from that right. group versus the, versus the vitriol that came against anyone else right. prior, like an Obama or, uh, well, you know, I guess it breaks down to conservative versus liberal again and maybe not since Carter right. uh, and Clinton Clinton it was yeah. you know everything is horrible fire and brimstone right. but with Trump it's like well yeah yeah there's well. definitely they're doing a lot of moral bargaining over yeah. there in the evangelical right <laughs> you can at least say that yeah um, alright and do so, they serve a purpose I believe so right like if there's a group of people that follow them that gives them faith hope and charity toward humanity they're just I, I, I'm not seeing it <laughs> Yeah, I would yeah. like to see more of it if that's what it yeah. is, right? We just want you to to be the best version of yourselves, religious, evangelical, right? And getting in bed with Donald Trump is pretty much about as hypocritical thing you could possibly do. Yeah. And I think we've said this before. <laughs> Labor should know no party. Labor should be applicable, whether you're liberal, conservative, you know, Tea Party, Antifa. It doesn't matter, you know? Right. You should be pro-Labor because Labor is what... Uh, makes the economy move forward. This, I mean, one percent of the people in this country have all the money, and the ninety-nine percent of the rest of us are struggling. So, um, yeah, that's called a labor movement. Yeah, you know, I hope it doesn't culminate in one with pitchforks, torches, and storming castles, and you know, heads-on uh, spikes and things. Right. Right. That's our history. We have to know yeah. that. Well, uh, I've said it many times before, but like if I was one of the elite, uh, richest of the rich billionaires, I wouldn't want to continue acquiring more wealth because history does show that that's not going to end well for me. 
eventually the people are going to grab the pitchforks, scale those um, fences for the private communities, and um, and there will be a revolution. Yeah, it's almost in their interest to start trying to reverse the well, uh, wealth and inequality gap. Right? As it is now, do you see billionaires out on the street, or are they away somewhere, almost in hiding, because? They're the villains of modern-day society. Right. Well, they don't have to be out on the streets because they've brainwashed half of us yeah, to work yeah. against our own economic... They've brainwashed half of us to work against our own economic interests. Which we, is- uh, this is where I have a little bit of a fundamental disagreement with Bernie Sanders, where I love him, and I was supporting him while he was active um, as much as I could. Uh, but... What I'm afraid of is I don't want to get sucked into any herd mentalities. Mm-hmm. I want to keep an open mind and, and respective of an entire spectrum of different thoughts and, th- and, and feelings out there. And if we want, as Buckminster, Buckminster Fuller said, a world that works for everyone with nobody and nothing left behind, right? Yeah. Then shouldn't here's what I'm struggling with currently. So we'll just be thinking out loud for a minute in between the storyteller sessions. There you go. Um... If we want a world that works for everyone with nobody and nothing left behind, as Buckminster Fuller said, doesn't that have to include the 1% we're currently going after for more of their money? If their American dream was to make that much money yeah. and we're the force that's stopping them, then are, are we stomping on an American dream? Nope. <laughs> because once you have more money than you can spend in a lifetime... It's not your dream. It's what if your dream ego. wasn't your own lifetime, but for your generations after you to come? Isn't that ego? It uh, probably pure ego, I guess. Right. So now we're getting but, more into philosophy. Yeah. I would argue that if you've got more money than you can personally spend in a lifetime, you're not using your money in execution of your own dreams. You're using it in execution of your ego. So uh, are we then limiting dreams of others? No. If their dream was this and we say invalid. No, no, I have no problem with people being rich. I I have no problem with people being super rich Uh for being super successful. I do have a problem with um, the poverty rate in this country going up while people have so much wealth that they couldn't spend it in five generations. So there's super rich good and super rich bad. And if we allow the super rich good to continue, like the Bill Gates and Warren Buffetts, who have 50 to $75 billion, and they pledge all of it when they die. No. And in between now and then, right? Between now and when they die, whenever that is, hopefully, you know, they have a lot of years left, right? But um, they pledge it all to a foundation that's going to be for charitable... They're not just keeping it in the family to gain uh, yeah, yeah. family power and Fair wealth. point. Fair counter. Well played, Jason Michael. <laughs> so you're arguing rather than James. rather than keep that wealth to pass down to their own children, they're reinvesting it in, in charity um, for Current the betterment for the betterment of humanity. I think malaria is almost done. Yep. I think Bill Gates and, and Melinda Gates took care of that. Yep. No, I mean and that's great, and I, I um, you know, having. The malaria crisis um, tackled and, and somewhat defeated is a great thing. I would argue more generally, though, that like um, you know that's like a, a great cause, and I'm like I applaud the Gates and their foundation for taking it on. But I argue more generally that um, um, that charity 
does not address structural inequality problems. It doesn't address structural problems. Charity is a band-aid. Social justice is how you, you fix stuff. So I would argue that it doesn't matter how charitable or how well-intentioned a billionaire is with their own money. Um, the solution is progressive tax structures, which still allows you still allows you to get as rich as you possibly can on your own success. It's just that you're going to pay a reasonable fair share back in to the country that allowed you to get that rich in the right first now time. to people you're connected to yourself who matter today, not some far off into the future tax haven of a. I'm going to donate to a good cause. I mean, keep in mind, some of our billionaires are putting, like, Teslas in space, which is kind of cool, but doesn't <laughs> fucking help anybody. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the uh, Storyteller Hour with Jason Michael and Ted James. Jason Michael and Ted James. Bow, 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 story bow. Hour. Finishing right. up with Janice. Well, yeah, we're, we're, on that, we're only halfway through the story. So, uh, needless to say, I was very disappointed in the progressive left for laying down on uh, allowing or forcing the Republicans to allow President Obama to nominate Merrick Garland. So, progressives, uh, as we stated earlier, the suspicion was that they were overconfident, said no big deal, Hillary Clinton will be president and she will get to select or nominate the next Supreme Court justice. And then everybody knows the hold my beer moment that Donald Trump had on uh, election night 2016. So we don't need to go into that. Fast forward to 2017, Trump, uh, President Trump uh, nominates Neil Gorsuch to, um, to serve on the Supreme Court. And since our, uh, our podcast is based in Denver, Colorado, you might think we'd be really excited to see... Uh, 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 native son done good and got nominated for the Supreme Court. Neil Gorsuch being from Colorado. Uh, but you would be wrong if you suspected that because this guy is basically uh, the um, Scalia replacement. Same ideology, same interpretation of constitutional law. Maybe not quite as extreme as Scalia, but essentially like Scalia 2.0. And Trump nominates him. The Republican Congress confirms him. Neil Gorsuch, bam, is on the Supreme Court, and we have and we have uh, at least several more years, if not a couple more decades, of conservatives having a five-four advantage ide- ideologically on the Supreme Court. That escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who who on the right is gonna um, leave the court anytime soon? No, it's all left and middle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. the next three is, uh, I don't know them all. I have studied, studied it before, but I, don't, I didn't retain it. But I know one of them expected is what? Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. Yeah. Uh, I uh, think. The notorious RBG. <laughs> I ain't a player, I just judge a lot. I haven't seen the movie yet, have you? Uh, the RBG movie? Yeah. I didn't know there was one. Mm, it's supposed to be really good. I want to see it. Uh, RBG is actually the title of it. Nice. And uh, this podcast now sponsored by RBG the movie. Nice. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe gives it two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. So um, back to Storyteller Hour. Janice. 
<laughs> what up, Janice? Um, back to Storyteller Hour with Jason Michael and Ted James. So, Neil Gorsuch is on the Supreme Court. Well, uh, that's a good segue, because along comes Mark Janice. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mark Janice, who belongs, uh, not does not belong to the labor union, asks me, but pays fair share dues. As a public sector employee to the labor union asks me. So let me get this straight. Mark Janice is his name. He applies for a union job. Knows yep. it's a union job. Yep. Starts paying fair share because in that state it's required that you pay fair share if you apply to a union job in the first place. Preach. And now? And now he uh, he sues in claiming it's in violation of his free speech rights. And so, bam, uh, essentially the same case, um, pushed along by the same people, funded by the same people, anti-workers, super rich billionaires, with Mark Janice being their new puppet. And here we go, round two. Um, same case is back in the Supreme Court. Oral arguments were in uh, February, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, the ruling will come out as early as tomorrow. So there's four possible dates for this ruling to come out. It's either going to be tomorrow, or it's going to be next Monday, or it's going to be next Thursday, or it's going to be next Friday. Um, but In the meantime, everyone has to just wait on pins and needles. Right. And, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, we're going to lose 5-4. It's not a question in my or no, not a doubt in my mind. It is a foregone conclusion at this point, is it not? It is. It is. It is a foregone conclusion that... Labor unions are going to lose to Mark Janice 5-4 either tomorrow or next week. You know how I know? How do you know? Because if it's not tomorrow or next week, it'll be next year or three or five years out with the next case. Because we thought, well, I thought, I hoped, that it was over with Friedrichs. Right. Well, I mean... And it was under unfortunate circumstances that it ended with uh, Scalia's passing. But uh, that at that time, folks that we know in organized labor said... It, it will be the next one, right? It won't be. It won't be this one. Great. It's going to be the next one, right. and the next one happened faster than 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 I ever expected it to happen. Right. Um, well, and like if that's why I harp so much on the the uh, Democrats laying down on uh, oh, President Obama's appointment of Merrick Garland. I don't even know if Merrick Garland necessarily would have ruled the right way on this on this case. In theory, they're impartial, right? <laughs> right. They have political leanings, which get discovered during confirmations. But yeah. um, but we knew that Gorsuch would rule on the um, conservative side and uh, strike down fair share fees. So what if we segue from storytelling to playing the game of what would happen if, or more likely, what's going to happen when? Go. What's going to happen when uh, the Supreme Court rules 5-4 in favor of uh, uh, AFSCME, or in favor of Janus, I should say, I'm sorry, in favor of Janus, mm -hmm. uh, when the court rules 5-4 in favor of Janus, and we have a national right to work now where previously it was only up to the states. For public employees only. Just for public employees. Yeah. For public employees. What's going to happen when... Uh, the sector, the public sector that is 35 or 33% organized still, mm -hmm. uh, now doesn't have to pay any more for the representation they've already been getting as non-members. Well, that's a great question, Jason Michael. <laughs> I'm glad to answer it. 
So it, it really depends on what they rule. Um, the Supreme Court um, can strike it down and say uh, that from now on, you can voluntarily withdraw from your fair share fees that uh, we've been collecting uh, and, um, and you no longer are obligated to pay them. But it would be on you to voluntarily send in a withdrawal form to the union mm -hmm. saying, I disagree with this. It violates my free speech. Um, so I want to withdraw from paying my fair share fees. Yeah. That would be, even from the conservative point of view, if you want to say it's a violation of free speech, that would be the right thing to do. Because it's only violating your free speech if you know it is and consider it to be and want to do something proactive about it. Yeah. So they could rule that. What they're most likely going to rule is that all fair share fees that are currently being collected are invalid. And so any non-member that's paying fair share fees doesn't anymore. And all that just stops. Like as soon as the decision comes down so across the, the country. So the economic impact on labor unions would be substantial. Yeah, that would be substantial. Would but it be an extinction level event or would it just no. be a substantial downsizing of that I'll I'll get into the like potential like impact in a minute okay. after I do uh, scenario number three yeah but yeah it would be substantial it would not be catastrophic um, but uh, uh, scenario number three is that um, uh, the Supreme Court could rule that um, because fair share fees exist. And they're um, somewhat in like somewhat in a range of what you pay as a union member. There's a lot of people that don't want to be union members, but are just being union members because they have to pay fair share fees anyway. And so um, the Supreme Court could rule that in order to level the playing field and only be a union member by choice, they invalidate all public employee union membership across the United States and make people voluntarily re-sign up now. Ooh, that's a that's a that's the scenario. That's a nuclear option. They could wow. but that is a possibility. Is there enough dissent among the four who will vote for AFSCME that that won't be the outcome? I don't know that they, I mean, I'm, I don't really know, um, and I should, since well, I like, studied constitutional nobody law. Nobody has a crystal ball. But right. I don't know if they, like, if... That's out if, the window, I think. If they roll 5-4, I don't know that the four dissenters would have the power to stop it if they... Enough I'd, sway in the, the, the form that would. the decision takes? Right. Um, so, worst case scenario, what happens if... It goes, everybody's invalidated, and you have to re-sign up. Um, it that, requires a huge organizing right. uh, effort on the part of all public sector labor unions across the country. Yep. Do they currently have the resources to be able to do that? Uh, some, some are in better shape than others. Some people have been, or some labor unions have been anticipating this for okay. the last two or three years and have been organizing ahead of it to be ready. We're, but none of that matters if they invalidate all... Yeah, I, mean, I I don't think there's a lot of uh, um, there's I don't think that there's a lot of uh, fear that that nuclear option is going to happen. I think most people assume they're going to invalidate all existing fair share fees. But if you're a union member, you would have to like voluntarily withdraw at this point. Okay. Yeah. Most realistic option right. that they have. Right. 
Okay. Um, but I mean, uh, but I mean, to me, if you want to like it. By the way, we didn't even mention this is all settled Supreme Court case law from the early seventies. Like, this is essentially going to overrule a prior settled. You know, the, I can't recall the case in my brain right now. I apologize, but early seventies. I want to say nineteen seventy three. This exact issue was decided by the Supreme Court, and they decided that fair share fees for public employees are in fact constitutional. So it's essentially just the court because they have the ideological political power to change it to overrule what is already considered settled case law. Um anyway, that aside, like, you know, if you do want to like uh argue that it is a violation of free speech, um to me, that would suggest that it's only a violation of free speech if you willingly see it as such and willingly want to like do something proactive about it. To just like strike down all fair share fees across the country, you're essentially you're deciding that all the people that are paying them on the premise that they're benefiting something from the contract. Um, and are okay with that. <laughs> like, you're making the decision for them that, in fact, their free speech is being violated when they might not necessarily see it that way. So, to me, if you do want to rule with Janice, the, like, proper decision would be to leave everything as it is and make require people to um, proactively withdraw their fair share fees. Does that make sense? It, I think it does. Um, it, it, what it... What it, what it what it made me think was if at best going forward once this decision comes down are we never going to be better than half organized among any existing unit inclusive of the public sector or how do we um, how do we flip our own switch mm-hmm. and then evolve into whatever organized labor of the future is going to look like yeah. Where it's a where it's a um, uh, not just um, representation in a single unit, with some potentially no longer paying fair share, and the rest are members. Uh, but how do we flip that switch and then uh, make it where labor organized labor is for anybody and everybody, and then you get up to the one third who are back to being members again, supporting it supporting it as a movement. Um, so what what's going to happen when yeah when this decision comes down and then well I, you know, I've heard yeah. of individual unions being uh, afraid of losing you know in the millions of dollars per year right and yeah I've heard of other unions already downsizing by like a third of its staff yep in anticipation so a few things like we said there have been some unions that have anticipated this is going to happen and they've been organizing um, just the, the 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 fact that we lose fair share doesn't like fundamentally change the equation that in order for us to have a middle class in this country for there to be some sort of like check and balance on like on uh wealth being accumulated by the rich we need everybody to understand that it is in their best economic interest to be in a labor union so for public employees that no longer are required to pay fair share fees we need to compel them. We need to organize. We need to compel them why they need to be a union member and why it's important. And some unions are already working on that. 
like you said, some are just uh, kind of like trying to like shelter themselves from the storm by doing preemptive layoffs and adjusting their um, their budgets and stuff like that. Um, I think that's the wrong approach. Uh, my union, CWA, has been conducting a program called our union sorry cwa has been <laughs> conducting a pro a program called cwa strong trying to organize and it's had a lot of uh, it's made a huge difference i think like rather than waiting to get attacked we're organizing and taking the offensive to like be stronger um coming out of this than being the desired result of the ultra rich which is to make us weaker so um i think that's an important uh Thing to keep in mind I mean it's still wrong that uh, um, you know the institutions of our country are siding with the ultra wealthy and, and stripping workers rights away um, you know weakening labor unions but we can organize our way to a solution through a labor resurgence now, the labor movement is also potentially being weakened in another area that you touched on earlier called uh, uh, Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to get into that one. So, uh, God, this one just breaks my heart. Um, for anybody that hasn't been following this, um, the uh, frontline staff of Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains went through a legitimate process to unionize their workforce won a union election and um and that was after being subjected to an anti-union campaign by Planned Parenthood um their employer yeah this podcast is definitely not sponsored by Planned Parenthood not the Rocky Mountains is it nope uh and uh if I remember uh the interview I just saw in the New York Times last week, Edgar Allan Poe is quoted as saying, Shame on you, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> Holy ease. Um all right. So uh yeah, so Planned Parenthood uh ran an anti union campaign, but their workers still won the election and uh and have a union. Now, keep in mind, um, you know, this is Planned Parenthood, an organization that has fought valiantly uh, in support of women's rights and who has repeatedly pointed to um, the policies of the Trump administration and Republicans more generally in assault and, and their assault on uh, women's rights. Um, so... Um, this same organization has now um, uh, appealed to the Trump administration's uh, National Labor Relation Board, which um, Trump has appointed a lot of anti-worker people since taking office. Um, Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, a progressive organization we would assume, you know, is part of the um, same team as us, <laughs> as working people. Um, is is trying to take advantage of Trump's anti-worker labor board to bust the union in Colorado. They're appealing that. They're trying to do it on a like process appeal, trying to argue that oh we want our employees to have a union. Wink wink. However, the unit that has legitimately won an election is invalid. We would prefer if our whole region of the country, which would be Colorado and probably a handful of other states, yeah. if they all had an election and then they decided whether or not they wanted a union, then we would honor it. 
Um, but the strategy there is there hasn't been a union organizing campaign going on in those other states. They know they would be able to influence those workers independent of an existing organizing campaign with their anti-union propaganda. And their, um, their hope is that, that should such a theoretical election happen, that um, those, that different unit of workers, that larger unit of workers would vote not to have a union. And that would thus invalidate the current union that has been legitimately won by the uh, Planned Parenthood workers of the Rocky Mountains. So, now, it's, having, it's it's a it's a straight uh, by the book um, union busting tactic being conducted by Planned Parenthood. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Now, haven't other unions been formed on a small scale within a large company? Like um, the one Metro PCS store in in New York City. Yep, that store was allowed to have an election of their own among eight to ten employees and form their own union. Well, the rest of Metro PCS wasn't right, and they bargained and they bargained a contract for that one store. Yeah. And so I mean, yeah, exactly. To your point, the argument that this is an improper unit size is completely ludicrous they are just planned parenthood is trying to take advantage of the fact that a trump anti-worker labor board might see it in their favor and help them bust this union shame on you planned parenthood shame 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 um for anybody interested uh no afl cio just put out a petition today asking planned parenthood and their um leadership to bargain with their um, rocky mountain employees in good faith uh, for the Rocky Mountain workers that one legitimately won your union, um, the rest of the Denver and Colorado labor movement is with you. Solidarity forever. We're going to do whatever we can to help you win this fight. In unity. Union, In, yes. Union, yes. Union strong. All right. Should we move on to some reveals? Oh, reveal time. Yeah. So, you know, this Janice decision is coming out. Um, Janice? Um, I don't think we mentioned it earlier that our um, Solidarity Radio podcast is produced by Union Underground. Union Underground. Um, well, Union Underground may or may not have a new project about to drop. Uh, what would that be? Um, maybe or not. Maybe or not. Um, well, rumor is, you know, I, I got this from a, a, a rock-solid source. His name's Edgar Allen. <laughs> Police. <laughs> uh, rumor is that uh, the day the Janice decision drops, Union Underground will be um, releasing a new video. Our first video, um, which was uh, uh, um, Rock Against the TPP, Solidarity Forever. That f our first video for Union Underground got, got a few views on YouTube. Solidarity forever. Uh. <laughs> so um, this is only video number two by our imprint, but we're excited about it. Um, hopefully, uh, by the time you hear this podcast, you will have likely already seen the video because this uh, good chance by the time we edit and release this podcast, the Janice decision will have already come down. Yeah, especially if and it happens tomorrow. There's no way in hell I'm getting this podcast edited by tomorrow. <laughs> YouTube videos versus podcasts in this day and age, probably the YouTube videos will win, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, in terms of how it reaches and how far and wide, 
This will someday reach far and wide. I'm sure of it. Well, Jason, Michael, you've gotten a you've gotten a sneak preview of the video. What do you think? Oh, it's a fantastic video. I was uh, u- uber impressed. Uber impressed. Yeah, nice. I was lift impressed. Cool. So the uh, for those of you that are likely going to listen to this podcast and um, uh, realize that this video exists after it's already been released because the Janus decision will have already come down. The title of the video is District 7 is CWA Strong. And you can actually, honestly, uh, uh, insider information for podcast listeners. The video is already live on YouTube. It's just, Yeah, it really it, is. It hasn't I, been shared through social media. I accidentally media. shared it already. <laughs> <laughs> Once. Well, I, del- I deleted it now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, we just haven't launched the social media campaign yet. Um, District 7 is CWA Strong is up on the uh, Union Underground YouTube channel. Check it out yesterday. Union, yes. Union Ground, under. <laughs> All right, so do you got a reveal, Jason Michael Dow? Uh, I could. What's, yeah. what's been going on with Jason Michael? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not... Our listeners want to know. So <laughs> last, last we checked in, you were like... You were scheming to become the union CEO, funding yeah. this self-starter small business. You know, I do still identify as the union CEO. Yeah. Um, I do still want to reach out to other CEOs like John Ledger and say, what can we do to make it different? Hey, John Ledger, holla at your boy. Yeah. I, I could do an open letter YouTube video someday, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, my company, it's a shell of a company. Who's to say? It's, maybe a little Snapchat. Maybe. <laughs> we could snap it. Uh, snap. Snapbook. Snapbook it. What those kids are doing today. Tweet the gram to Insta. You know, maybe. Uh, so in the, in the year and a half that I've left the business that made me leave the union, and I'm still a unionist at heart, and so I go and I, just a couple weeks ago, I still walked the line with uh, uh, folks who were... Who were uh, doing a uh, uh, an unfair labor practice strike? Nice. Um, I mean, you are, after all, still the co-host of an internationally acclaimed labor internationally acclaimed labor movement podcast. So I thought we were just national. My uh, goodness, uh, internationally I, acclaimed. Now I'm nervous. Oh, we're big in Germany. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Deutsche. Yeah. Um, what up, Verdi? What up, Verdi? So in the past year and a half, I've had this company. It's a one-person LLC, and I'm the, uh, the, 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 the one person in it. And, but I get to, you know, I get to do whatever I want with that creatively. And so I say, I'm the union CEO. If I take on any employees, I want them to be well-cared-for employees. I want them to feel good about their wages and their working conditions, and I want to be proactive about giving them a contract just like I would want for myself. Uh, but I'm also going through kind of like a rebranding a little bit, taking my company from like a purely for-profit LLC and keeping it so far as an LLC for now because uh, it's already that way, but making it you know more of a social enterprise where we can um, raise money for good, you know, um, whatever that may be. And, and there's lots of stories in the news right now, things that are uh, really tugging at my heartstrings like... Uh, the struggles of, of immigrant and uh, refugee communities who are fleeing to America currently, but in, in encountering resistance to them here. Uh, so I don't know if it's as bad, worse, or better than where they came from. Um, um, I suspect for them to have fled their country to come here, it must be worse there. Uh, 
in, in small part or in large part. And um, me as an individual uh, considers America to be like the melting pot where they should be able to come freely and we'll figure out the rest going forward. But uh, they should be welcome with open arms. Uh, so I'm thinking in terms of my company converting from purely a for-profit enterprise to a social enterprise instead and what that means as far as acting like a non-profit basically but being a for-profit company mm -hmm. and it's certainly not about the money for me if I can do a great amount of good for a great amount of people. Uh, I'm just working right now on uh, trying to go out and get educated and, and take classes and do networking anywhere that I think I can take my company in a very positive direction. Yeah. And the fact that it exists for the past year and a half and has a record for the past year and a half of bookkeeping and accounting and filing yeah. taxes, which yeah. there were no taxes because there was virtually no income. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a company that exists. And I'm, I'm going to try going forward for the next year, the second year of this company, uh, to, to be a, a, a company for, for a good cause, a social, you know, a social good. It's time for This or That. Sponsored by Edgar Allan Poe. Police. All right, Ted James. Mm -hmm. This is the part of the podcast where we have just a little fun. Yep. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Just give us your first answer. Don't think about it too much. Yep. Dog or cat? Cat. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Phone call or text? Phone call. Toast or eggs? Eggs. Cardio or weights? Weights. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. 100% uh, Twitter. Ice cream cone or snow cone? Snow cone. Mobile games or console games? Console games. While walking... Music or podcast? Music. <laughs> Not a good promotion for Solidarity Radio. <laughs> Solidarity Radio has music. iOS or Android? iOS. Form or function? Function. Deep. Uh, pop or indie? Indie. Cake or pie? Pie. Swimming or sunbathing? Swimming. High tech or low tech? Both. Oh, the first both of the game. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. New clothes or new phone? New phone. Rich friend or loyal friend? Loyal friend. Football or basketball? Basketball, 100%. <laughs> Work hard or play hard? Both. It's another both. Nice car or a nice home? Nice home. What's worse, doing the laundry or doing the dishes? Laundry. All right. Got Jogging or hiking? Hiking. Bath or shower? Bath all day. Sneakers or sandals? Sandals. Glasses or contacts? Oh, dude. Been wearing glasses since age three. All right. Hamburger or taco? Taco. This podcast now sponsored by Adelita's Ecochinas. Yes. 
They don't need prior mention. They they were they have prior mention. You have stock, I think, in Adelita's e Cochinas. Absolutely. Um, give me. Let me give you some. Pull them up on your phone. Oh, damn it. <laughs> While you do, couch or recliner? Uh, couch. Online shopping or shopping in a store? Uh, shopping in a store. Support those retail workers. Yep. Better to receive an email or a letter? Letter. Yeah, those emails. You get an email, you're like, oh, what do they, what do they want? What do I need to do? You get a letter, it's like, oh, that's nice. That's a nice letter. That's a nice card from someone. Yep. I still get cards from folks. I don't, Michelle and I aren't good at sending out cards. We want to be. I want to be. Yep. But uh, we don't, we don't yet are, have a good practice of sending out cards. All right. Stop the press. Jason Michael. Oh, there's so many Passenger good ones or driver? Driver. Tablet or computer? Uh, tablet. Most important in a partner. Intelligent or funny? Intelligent. Car or truck? Car. Blue or red? Blue. Green or yellow? Green. Magenta or black? Uh, magenta. Money or free time? Free time. Amusement park or day at the beach? Beach. At a movie, candy or popcorn? Both. <laughs> Pen or pencil? Uh, pencil. Toilet paper, over or under? Over, always. Cups in the cupboard, right side up or upside down? Uh, coffee cups down, pint glasses up. Pancake or waffle? Mmm, both. Pancakes, if I have to choose. Omelet or breakfast burrito? Ah, uh, both, because breakfast is my favorite meal, but I'll say burrito when I have to choose. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke if they got it, Pepsi if they don't. Coffee cup or thermos? Uh, coffee cup. Blinds or curtain? Blinds. Train or plane? Mmm, plane. Phone or phablet? Uh, phablet. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Ooh, uh, hot coffee, hot coffee. Meat or vegetables? Uh, vegetables. Jay-Z or Nas? Ooh, Jay-Z, all the way. International vacation or a new TV? Uh, international vacation. Always. Save or spend? Spend is what I do. Save is what I want. Austin or Phoenix? Uh, Phoenix. It's, uh, it's a prior home. Golf or top golf? Uh, I would say, you know, either is great. Uh, golf preferably. Top golf. I love it. This podcast now sponsored by Top Golf. <laughs> honesty golf. or others' feelings? Oh, honesty or others' feelings? Goodness, uh, I would say honesty because I can be honest and gentle. Coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. TV or book? Uh, unfortunately, TV, but book ought to be the answer. Movie at home or movie at the theater? Oh, I was. I'll say theater, mostly at home, but preferably theater. Oceans or mountains? Uh, oceans always. Horror movie or comedy? Uh, comedy only. Horror is not my genre. City or countryside? Uh, city. Winter or summer? Uh, summer. Mac or PC? Uh, I think Mac is better, but I'm PC. Console gaming or PC gaming? Uh, console gaming. Super sandwich? Mmm, soup and sandwich. <laughs> Card game or board game? 
Uh, we do both. Uh, I'll say board game. Union leader or successful entrepreneur? Uh, you can be both. It's possible. <laughs> well played, my friend. Classic art or modern art? There we go. Uh, let's go with uh, uh, classic art. Beer or wine? Mm, wine. Cards Against Humanity or three at the same time? Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> camping or binge-watching shows at home? Uh, binge-watching shows at home, unless the camping's in an RV. I can RV. Working alone or working in a team? Uh, working in a team, definitely. I'm working alone right now, and it's lonely as hell. Dining or delivery? Uh, delivery. Delivery. Swe sweater or hoodie? Hoodie. Yeah, hoodie. Comic book or comic strips? Uh, comic book. Yeah, comic book. Motorcycle or bicycle? Mmm, motorcycle. Book or ebook? Uh, ebook. When sleeping, fan or no fan? Fan. And last question of the episode. Think carefully. This I'm ready is an for important you. one. I mean, the whole future of this podcast depends on your answer. No pressure. Ninjas or pirates? Oh, pirates. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. <laughs> On that note, Solidarity Radio is now sponsored by a bottle of rum. Captain Morgan, Bacardi, they're all good. <laughs> um, we forgot to do our discussion on uh, election 2018, but Ooh. we can definitely tell people, please go vote. This podcast brought to you by Midterms. How important are they now? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by just freaking vote it's not that hard yeah you know especially in places here like colorado where it's mail-in ballot you don't have to go stand in line for hours on election day uh some people relish that and that's cool i never did uh it it barred me from voting sometimes and i love that we live in a state right now that has mail-in ballots they come out in plenty of time to do additional research because honestly typically i don't know what i'm voting for yet but if i look at the ballot and then i go google it and I get a few perspectives on things, I can at least do my civic duty and vote. So we spent a lot of time uh, on this episode talking about the Supreme Court. Um, one of their rulings this month was to um, affirm a decision in Ohio to um, invalidate uh, old voter registrations. Um, we don't need to get into the, to the crux of the case, but... Um, the bottom line has made it harder for people to vote that might think they were registered in the past but haven't voted in a while. Um, the only reason in my mind that uh, you um, should make it harder for people to vote rather than easier is if because you think there's a strategic advantage to your success as a candidate or as a party or as a movement <coughs> conservative to um, have less people vote rather than more, which is completely anti-democratic. We should have same-day registration in this country. We should be doing everything in our power to make it as easy as possible for every American that wants to, to get to the polls and vote. Um, so there are people actively working to suppress your vote, to make it harder for you to vote. So if you have the power to go the polls or if you live in a state where there's mail-in um, voting where you can do it or if you have early voting any of these mechanisms where I understand if it's election day and you got to work all day things might be harder but if you have other um, ways to exercise your vote please go do it this election is that important shout out to Edgar Allan Poe 
Please. He, he spoke a lot of wisdom on the podcast today. <laughs> Thank you, Edgar. Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. However, the converse of that is something that I'm not going to get into right now, actually, but I am having some deeper thoughts on that because people end it there with believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Mm-hmm. Well, if none of what you hear is true, then should you just go on in life thinking the opposite of everything you hear? And then you know that that's true because nothing that you hear is true. So if nothing that you hear is true is the opposite of everything you hear, true. So what you should, how you should proceed? True that. I suppose. I don't know. I think the listeners can spend the next couple months that's your homework, listeners. Homework, listeners. Think about that until we reconvene for episode number four. Number four, a year from now. A new hope. A new hope. Maybe it'll be 2019, maybe. Hey, our goal this year was four. This is number two of four. This is number three? Number three overall, but two of four. For, oh, okay, yeah, two we, of four we this set a, year. We set a goal of 2018 of doing four of these. So. And uh, we probably can get another one in within the next couple of months. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then another one, a fourth and final, closer to probably the holidays or something. Yep, that, that's the plan. We're sticking to it. All right, thank you for listening. We love you, the listeners. Peace out, homies. Once again, the Solidarity Radio, Union Underground. Um, yeah, holla at your boys. Peace. All we do is stay focused, looking straight forward at the challenge and beyond. We feel the 1% pulling us down. We gotta keep pulling each other up. We can't get stuck. We gotta keep moving forward. We got places to go, y'all. Let's get it. When the When you put yourself in your own shoes It's either you're winning or losing Don't you get it confused Cause you're starring in your own movie Playing up the role you choose So stand up and fight if you know so you're right I know you will never fail Tipping the scale and the wind shall prevail And the boat shall forever sail Hey, there ain't no stopping or cruising Even when we're battered and bruised Out on all the sprinters and Mount Olympus My God, tougher than Zeus
came Friedrichs, then came Janice Koch brothers want union sunk like Atlantis It's madness, they wanna take away fair share We don't care, we just prepare Make a fist and throw it straight up in the air Working people, we ain't going nowhere We're right here Fighting for a better day This movement won't die When we organize our way From corners to grow it To warden off attacks From mourners to show what solidarity won't crack With the 99% And they can't compete with that When we fight and don't relent Together we can pack The halls of government And overcome the greed in fact Together we can lead the charge To bring democracy back So no matter how hard And no matter how long We will win if we are strong But never say never, every goodie want better Just be a go-getter, and always be clever In every endeavor, cause trust in time, God for trust in measure You better try to pleasure, from your navel string sever The land and the treasure, work for whatever Just say don't be a beggar, the Alpha Omega We're blessed every soul, no matter which name you prefer The immortal stepper, we're living every skin No matter which color leather, we never let we don't rock here Which kind of weather, your destined to rise like the sun of Rebecca Don't stop for a second, every man reckon It sure would be good to be there when I say an army when the gates are finally closed and the saints go marching me, I'm a kitty and start get Through the workers but you run There could be no power grade anywhere beneath the sun We ain't done We're just getting started Labor surgeons taking flight We've just departed Flying over greener pastures And waters uncharted To reclaim the wealth That the rich have both guarded Our resolve ain't stealth But they don't see us coming Their arrogance and greed Can be quite a shortcoming So we're building up this movement Greater than the hoarded gold Greater than the might of armies Magnified a thousandfold But just as we birth the new world From the ashes of the old And make a future so bright It's a sight to behold When we stand up and fight We can right any wrong On the long path of justice On and on we march along Solidarity forever Forever ever Forever long we're unbreakable together for the union makes us strong. Beep, 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 beep.